You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're coming to you live. I'm Corey Munson. I'm in Iowa. I'm joined, as always, by with Aaron Castro down in Arizona and Liam Madigan-Fried, who formerly is of Massachusetts, now is traveling and is in Tennessee, I believe. Yep. How's your week been, everybody? It's uh, been long and hard. (laughs) Pretty good. Uh, Well, I guess you know. So, Corey, you know how I told you I ate pounds in Chicago long? Well, well, uh, it was birthday this week, and uh, I had uh, I I had a lot of food over the weekend. The birthday was yesterday, so that's kind of cool. But uh, last night specifically, I got the outlaw ribeye at Longhorn, and when it comes to ribeye steaks. If you like ribeye steaks, Longhorn's a pretty good option, I have to say. I've had ribeyes all over the place. And, you know, for the price and the quality level, it's, it's good. Hey, Longhorn Steakhouse, give you a shout-out. Give us some money. Sponsor, Sponsor us. Sponsor us. Um, but uh, and then, uh, Brooke, being the amazing girlfriend she is, made me a brownie peanut and peanut butter cookie dough layer cake. See on my Instagram at the Dog. It, it uh, well, yeah. So when I stepped on the scale this morning after a few, you know, drinks over the weekend and whatnot, uh, I had gained, yeah, all of it back. So, like, I'd lost six and a half from the eight pound game and I gained them all back. And so this week's gonna suck running, and uh, you know, it sucks last week, and, but yeah, so that's where we're at. <laughs> Well, as much as running sounds like it sucks, Aaron, I've just been driving for hours and hours on end. Um, I spent all day yesterday in Cleveland. I got to catch the Browns game live where they actually beat the Atlanta Falcons the day before that. I was in Miami. Did you go to the game? Yeah. No, I, got, I was at uh, First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. Yeah. Nice, no, it, nice. It, it, nice man. You, you have never seen a stadium erupt until you've seen a Browns victory. 10 team like the Falcons like it, it it was definitely something else um so like you said though I'm in Nashville right now as soon as this uh podcast gets over with I'm gonna go hit Broadway I got back from BB King's uh eating some ribs about an hour ago so I'm feeling pretty good and ready for this fucking podcast to get oh, on going Nashville is a great town to go out yeah. in I love dude, Nashville it's already the shit, dude. I fucking love. I'm I'm staying an extra day actually, just because like I got here kind of like late in the evening, and I actually want to go out and do shit. So, you know, looking forward to that. Very cool. Well, the most exciting thing to happen here is uh, we sold our house. It only took uh, about two weeks. So, yeah, pretty happy about that. Uh, so heading in the right direction, life wise. <laughs> Appreciate some good news. Which one of the other ten people in Iowa bought it? Um, I think uh, Wilbur, he's like down the street a couple blocks. I don't know. Uh, and I'll have you know there's 15 now, okay? <laughs> we've, we've more than doubled in size in the last uh, in the last 50 years. As the presidential election approaches, Iowa's population starts to grow, but then as soon as it's it's over, it just shrinks back down. You know, it's its relevance is it varies. Yeah, and those are mostly you know campaign volunteers and <laughs> yeah. uh, reporters. So, ah, <laughs> uh, so uh, I guess I should tell folks who we are and what we're doing. Um, yeah, like I said off the top, we're earful of dirt. Uh, we are. Live with you every single Monday night here on YouTube and uh, sent out to the podcast services every Wednesday morning. And we're talking news, views, and abuse about Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union. It's a chance for us to go through the issues, hear from the league, talk to players, team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the country. Uh, All about USA Rugby. So, with that said, Aaron... We got a rundown. We got a lot of stuff to get to tonight. So why don't you buzz us through what we got yeah. coming up? Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna hit you 
hard tonight. Um, the Eagles defeated Samoa 30-29. to uh, Then we're going to head into Bataille de Repechage, um, otherwise known as Battle Repechage. Four teams trying to get that last spot for the Rugby World Cup. Then Major League Rugby announced their 2019 schedule. Uh, and, you know, people are starting to buy tickets and stuff. So you know what games are CBS Games of the Week, and the rest will be on ESPN Plus if you happen to not have a local team. Um, the Free Jacks will be hosting all four of the Irish provinces uh, in a tournament starting on St. Patrick's Day weekend. Uh, then we'll talk a little bit about new stadiums around Major League Rugby and, of course, get into – the USA versus Romania preview, but guys, um, do do we need to add like Canada rugby coverage like all the time? I, I don't know. Do do I do I need to do? Who wants to be the junior test match writer? You guys, well, you I, get to cover well, Canada. Well, I mean, if Brian Ray is watching, then yes, absolutely, we need Canada coverage. You know, all the time and every, every fucking <laughs> podcast. You know, <laughs> you I know, mean, they're part. We're, we're all part, part of the same family now. You know, yeah. it's it's the bigger MLR family. Rugby Canada and uh and, yeah. and, and, and Toronto, don't you know? Eh? <laughs> and you know what? I'll tell you what, as long as Canada's not playing the USA, I'm all for them winning matches. It's kind <laughs> oh, yeah, of totally. no, oh, yeah, I, over I, hey, hey man, um it's it's not like USC football, which I, I which I find blight on um, on the religion that is football in this country, and I wish was excised via an exorcism of the football priests. But, uh, yeah, Canada wins some games, man. It's uh, I guess we call this conference pride in football. Uh, so sub-union pride, go Rugby America's North. There you go. Hell yeah. So uh, before we get too much too far into the uh, Great White North, let's, uh, let's head to some... Uh, action over in Spain this weekend, and holy cow, guys! USA beat Samoa. I mean, how awesome is that? Holy crap! It's mad cool, dude. Well, um, hey, first time ever. Um, we haven't done well against Pacific Island nations since 1999 when we beat Tonga. So, <laughs> so well, uh, just to let everybody know, yeah, the USA played uh, Samoa in San Sebastian, Spain. We did walk away with a victory 30 to 29. So, I mean, that was – talk about a squeaker there. So, Yo, uh, who's, who's the promoter? Because, like, the stadium the, – the stadium was basically being renovated slash torn down, something like that. And they still got, like, 10,000 people to show up. Well, Maybe they I mean, should promote USA games at home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe it's a it's a it's a different story in Spain, especially when people don't have anything to do. They love going to stadiums. But one thing I want to say, just because you you mentioned the score and how we eked it out, that you know, getting these victories is always going to be a good thing, especially over a really tough team like Samoa. That like you know, they're a team that can really run it hard up the middle. And sometimes the USA is, has we one of our big problems has been you know committing and uh, finishing tackles on, on teams that could run hard. However. 30 to 29, like you said, is a really tight score. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but until the United States starts winning games uh, like against teams like this with some authority, we're not going to stand a, a realistic chance against the upper echelons of tier one, you know, such as, you know, New Zealand, England, and South Africa. Like beating Scotland was all well and good. But, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, 30 to 29 over a team like Samoa is not going to hold up against you know, the spring box. I mean, it, it won't, but, uh, so if, if there wasn't a line on this game, which sucks, but if, if you were being a good bookmaker, uh, the entirety of Samoa's team was made up of European professionals. Uh, so, I mean, based on where we are and based on our injuries and everything, I, I felt that if you put a line on it, they would be favored by five. But my man over at Rugby Forecast said that the algorithm spit out that we would win by two, and holy hell, we won by one. Um, but, uh, you know, there's just a lot of stuff to break down into this match. I, I felt that it was going to be tight, that – 
you know, new coaching staff for them, but they're still, we're talking a fully professional national team. And at times they, they really played like it. Uh, they, you know, all the, all the holes, uh, when there were holes in the defense, they were able to expose that. They were able to, to take advantage of the little things rather than the big things. And that's how they ended up getting uh, to 29 points because we gave them a lot of the little things. Uh, uh, to really to really break down this match, it was a bit rough. Uh, we started out awesome, went up 15-0, dominating with our pack and playing the ball well. Our attack, you know, even getting the ball out outside. Um, our defense was solid, and then in the second quarter, it really just fell apart. Uh, Samoa scored 21 straight points, uh, you know, and it was just like, what? And then we scored an unconverted try, so it was 20 to 21. So it actually looked okay. Uh, what was sort of interesting, um, it was, I guess, uh, you know, you can have a storm all over uh, all over Europe because it was a torrential downpour in uh, in London. It was a torrential downpour in this one too because uh, fly half uh, Will Hooley, he uh, he uh, well he slipped. And he missed one. I'm sure he's embarrassed because uh, the GIF makers, if we ever get good, will take that and make a GIF to uh, haunt him forever. But uh, he, you know, he also hit the game winner. So we'll talk. Did about you that. just call it a GIF? GIF, GIF, whatever. I'm a damn millennial, sir. You'll get it right in front of me. But <laughs> well, but, some... but continue. But this continue. is not a whatever situation. <laughs> it is GIF. Okay. I will, I will, I swear to God, I will walk <laughs> off the ship. Hey, Aaron, tell me, am I the mem king of MLR? Do I, do I make really fu- funny memes? Well, I used to think they were called memes, not memes. Oh, no, 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 not memes, but memes. <laughs> memes. Now memes. watch me whip. Now watch me meme. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure Gary and Greg are are not happy overall about this game because we just we gave them a bunch of holes to to do the little things um i know the second half samoa scores in the first minute and our defense holds and you know really with uh who was able to come on it, it just really it just changes the dynamic we lose uh blaine scully in the second half and will mcgee again has to go play fly half you know a position he he doesn't play, uh, which was interesting again, um, but uh, he got it done. Our defense really got it done in that second half, which I was kind of surprised because, you know, it, it was a bit less, right? Um, and one of the things that concerned me was uh, Devereaux Ferris being called up. wasn't He didn't really seem committed in some of the tackles he tried to make and, and missed a punch, actually. Uh, so... Nick Boyer, this is your this is your chance right here. Uh, but uh, you know, third quarter intercept try. Cam Dolan, he had two intercept tries. I think he might be pretty good at rugby. What do you guys think? I, th- I think he's all right. He might have he might have some uh, some potential with his ceiling. Um, you know, you know, you know, guys like him, and then uh, Hanko. Hanko always does what Hanko does. Hanko. Just, just filthy. Just filthy. Yeah. So I, I, I put this in the show rundown, and maybe you guys saw it. However, Hunko Hammersheis is some is somebody that we need to talk about a little bit more, simply because his name is all over every single game that you know we've we've been talking about this winning streak that the USA has been on in Test match matches, and more often than not, Hanko Hammersheis has been involved in some way, shape, or form in some improbable USA victory. Now. What I want to ask you guys is, in over the next two to three years, assuming that he isn't scooped up by a European club and banished to the, you know, like you know, towards the bottom of the roster on one of their depth charts, could Hanko Hammerschein actually be one of the first faces of American rugby that's actually marketable to the greater public if he continues, um, you know, in in the fashion that he has in terms of his performance in the Test matches? Well, he's got you know that big square jaw. He's got wide shoulders. He, he's got that, you know, the, American, the man wrestles. Even though, he's South, even though he's South African, um, 
he dressed like a cowboy from Nebraska. Uh, he, all right. He, he's from South Africa, but he, he went to high school in, um, I think, I think it was Nebraska. Yeah. Um, he's, like, yeah. So, so he's, he, I mean, he spent, I think he spent just as much time pretty much in Nebraska as he spent in South Africa now. And, and I think the guy gives off like, uh, until he, <laughs> until Heiko talks, he, man, he has a, Thick South African accent still. Where have you been? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but he, you know he he's got that quintessential American vibe going for him, and I, I think that uh, I think you're onto something there, Mister like marketing <laughs> guru. Uh, so you know uh, one of the, one of the things that I guess sort of concerned me with how early Devereaux Ferris came on is. You know, we really, we really need to develop a third scrum half that is capable of playing, you know, test level rugby. Because uh, right now we've got Sean Davies, who, you know, he he's he's playing. He can play eighty minutes if need be, uh, and De Haas can back him up and play thirty to forty minutes of great rugby, as we saw against the Maori. But it's a bit different when you have to start and you're 19 years old i think he just turned 20 actually like last week or something and it, it is different so he is go if sean isn't able to go this week you know we just got to keep watching ruben de haas because how much he will have been forced to grow during this tour is going to pay dividends really during in july during world cup warm-ups and in in the world cup when you have two scrum halves that can play at such an intense level for, you know, 60 to 80 minutes. Like that will be really important. But the, the real reason why we need that third scrum half and maybe, and even a fourth really is the ARC. Cause we're going to have five test matches or four to four test matches. And I'm pretty sure we'll only get to Haas for like one. Um, and then, you know, we'll have Davies, but, you know, we're going to want to rest him a little bit also. Well, when you have multiple scrum halves, it does kind of give you that edge. However, it's not just in terms of the long run, like, you know, over the course of the ARC. Even mid-game, if you can have a scrum half come in, like, in the second half or even towards the end of this – or even towards the end of the second half, who can keep up that pace, uh, who can keep up, you know, a steady rhythm in the game, that can be – so beneficial to your team, especially when the United States, our huge problem is that we lose pace towards the end of the game. We get gassed, we get tired. You need a scrum half who needs to be able to keep the team in rhythm and make them, or rather give them incentive to want to keep on playing and to see that they actually have a chance. And if you have somebody who can who can distribute the ball in such a manner that that seems possible through all 80 minutes, that's only going to be beneficial, like, you know, like I said. So, so um, the development for more scrum halves is very so great game by the Eagles. Uh, Will Hooley, uh, you know, missed some conversions, but uh, when it when it mattered, we took the penalty. He kicked for sticks in extra time. We won. Um, sadly, we did. We got no ranking points out of that because uh, Italy didn't beat Georgia by enough, and then and Italy also didn't lose. So Italy either needed to lose or they needed to beat Georgia by like 40 uh, for us to move, to even get points, let alone move. Um, so we're just playing Georgia this week. Uh, do me a favor. Beat the brakes off of them. We'll give you a shout out on next week's cast. Yeah, or, there you go. The whole yeah. country. Yeah, exactly. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, – the U.S.'s match against Romania here towards the end of the show. But uh, ahead of that, do you guys want to talk a couple minutes about uh, Rugby Canada and the repertoire thing? Oh, I think I could talk about Uh, Canada there, eh? So uh, the men's team is uh, opening their – kind of taking their last shot at getting into the 2019 World Cup, and they started things off in the repertoire – uh, with a pretty impressive win over Kenya, uh, they beat them sixty-five to nineteen on Sunday. Uh, that game was played in France. Uh, but they, up next on November seventeenth, they are facing off against Germany, who is just tough, tough, tough. So uh, then the twenty-third, they also face Hong Kong. 
uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Are they what, what's our prospect? What's their prospects here? So yeah, I guess I'll talk about Germany first because uh, well, their game was the less boring of the two. Uh, watched you know both games for my birthday. Uh, don't you know? Uh, Germany looks really good. Uh, they have the best pack in this tournament by far, um, and that's what won them their game against Hong Kong. Hong Kong has some backs. Uh, their type five is also pretty respectable. So, uh, you know, if if Canada is somehow able to eke out a victory against Germany, they were going to have to need to be healthy going into Hong Kong because Hong Kong can scrum, and you know they've they've got some dynamic players, especially you at uh, the left, at the right wing, man, that guy tore up Germany's backs a ton until the fullback, they like playing, you know, more 14 on line. And then your, your fullback uh, playing like a deep free safety, uh, you know, football terms for, for all y'all. Um, and that's the only thing that stopped him. And they, they just looked really good. And over time, they, they used their scrum as a weapon. I think they got like four scrum penalties against Hong Kong. And then their mall was pretty, pretty intense. Uh, for Canada, uh, the backs didn't do enough for me in the first half. In the second half, they, they did a lot. And the, front, the front rowers did better uh, in the second half. But it, the whole game just – in the first half, it was just a really poor quality match. It looked bad. And, and if you look at who the officials were, World Rugby has taken great pains to put the best official panel onto the pitch for these games. Wayne Barnes, top, who is the top men's referee in the world. And then you have uh, Joy Neville, the top women, top female referee in the world as an assistant ref. So... <sighs> You know they, they they pulled out all the stops when it came to officials for this mat for these matches. Um, you know, Ardrin, Olmsted, Bukebaum, guys, you got you gotta you gotta show up, and you didn't show up in the first half. Uh, DTH was pretty quiet uh, based on what I was watching um, until the second half, and that's just it's it's not going to be enough against Germany because Germany is just going to wear them down. Um, but I sort of. Did anyone else like pay attention to when they played Coventry and the Dragons? Uh, the only person that didn't play against Coventry was DTH, and then they struggled against the Dragons. It was, you know, I, I don't know. It just didn't give me confidence going into this. Well, unfortunately, I wasn't able to catch this match, but, you know, like, like we were saying at the beginning of the podcast, I love to hear about Canada getting the victory as long as it's not against the United States. And what I really like is that they made their chances of getting into the Rugby World Cup better because North American rugby needs more North American teams on the biggest stage of rugby, and that is to compete for the for the, uh, for the the Web Ellis Cup. Now, obviously, Canada is not a team that actually has a legitimate shot at winning the tournament, but it's all about exposure. So... No, it doesn't make me feel good to see that Canada, you know, was nearing the fringes of not qualifying. So getting this victory is definitely a step in the right direction. Whether or not they're going to remain consistent is another uh, story that we're going to have to probably talk about at some other point. But right now, you know, things bode well for North American rugby with this victory and with Canada's potential path, uh, path to the RWC becoming a bit more clear. Just, uh, you know, it's... I want to beat the crap out of Canada every time we play, but uh, when it comes to needing good rugby teams in our hemisphere so that we can get better, uh, you know, rising tide raises all ships. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It also floods all the houses. <laughs> Has been known to. I'm, I'm actually from the coast, man. I know what this shit is like. Don't give me none of your fucking Arizona bullshit about, about rising so uh you know the other thing that happened uh there's there's a lot of things another thing that happened this week was that uh major league rugby was nice enough to uh drop a schedule on us we now know what uh what's gonna happen in 2019 who's playing who when they're playing what channel they're gonna be on 
we, we know everything that's going to happen. We were given the results, uh, the breakdowns of all the matches. Uh, we're just not going to spoil it for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, these it's, it's the WWE. It's the WWE. It, just got to yep. get the storylines right. From, from the Roman Reigns is coming in for the scene. <laughs> from the perspective of uh, coming up with writing the stories for the website, though, it's really handy. We're able to do that. Uh, I mean, I think Josh written, has got man. most of the season written already, so that will be fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I I was not – I was really not expecting Austin to win the championship, but, hey, what do I know? <laughs> it, it was crazy that James Kennedy actually – beat the coppin uh, down in, uh, in Austin. It was crazy. But. Yeah. All right. So uh, <laughs> um, it's going to be a 19-week schedule. There will be three to four weeks, uh, three to four games a week. And then, like uh, we said, split between CBS, uh, Sportsnet, and ESPN+. Plus. It was interesting. I did notice that not all weeks have a CBS game. But they have – Some weeks have two. Yeah, some weeks have two. Three weeks don't have CBS games. Three weeks have two CBS games. So they have 19 games throughout the course of the season, plus then the semis and the championship. But it's just cheating. It's interesting that's, that's something like so rights windows, like they have to they have probably rights for other products that they have to carry during that period. So they're like, hey, um, can we care? We signed on for one game a week. Let's, uh, you know. So, Liam, I know you uh, did a little bit of research and wrote up a good piece uh, over on the website, earfulofdirt.com. Uh, tell us what you're seeing. So, one of the first, the uh, distribution of home and away matches. Now, I'm not going to get into every single team. However, I will tell you that the Arrows and Houston. Uh, they uh, mainly for the arrows. That's just because of the climate of Canada being what it is. It's mad cold. Uh, Houston, it's the construction of Aviva Stadium, which is the newest facility uh, in the in Major League Rugby. And other than Glendale, it's actually the first uh, exclusive Major League Rugby stadium. Um, well, well, while we have those teams starting on the road, Nola is the loan because Louisiana is mad hot at this time of year, and it's a pretty good climate. And hopefully. Uh, the field isn't going to be a total piece of crap like it was towards the end of last season because uh, a lot of players were not happy. A lot of potential ankle injuries uh, were seen and a lot of near misses and a few actually kind of uh, hits in terms of uh, that field causing injuries. So that's hopefully not going to be an issue this time. But one of my favorite pieces of this schedule is actually going to be Glendale versus Seattle. They have a rematch on the opening weekend. Now, we know the NFL usually likes to do this. Uh, pitting, you know, the the Super Bowl, uh, can, uh, the the Super Bowl uh, competitors uh, against each other in the first or second week. Uh, that didn't. However, I like that the fact that the MLR is going to be going along with this. Um, personally, I think Seattle gets the victory in this one. I think their team has remained a lot more consistent in terms of its makeup. I'm not too sure about these academy players coming into Glendale or whether or not they're going to be as consistent as they were last season, especially because we start we started to see the Raptors fall off towards the end of last season. So who knows if that's going to carry over. Um, where some high-profile players are unavailable due to uh, test matches. Um, like Corey said, we're going to have uh, more often than not four games a week, uh, but there's going to be a few weeks where we have three. So that's always going to be good. Um, depth is going to be tested with this longer season. So get ready to see a lot more developmental academy players and former college players that you may have seen on your favorite local colleges roster. Uh, it's going to be a def definitely a very interesting, different MLR season, but it's going to be exciting nonetheless. So, so last year, what did we, um, so the count we had for San Diego had 52 rostered players that they put on their website and 44, they used the most players at 44 over an eight game season or nine games for them since they went to the playoffs. And then so then let's look at a professional franchise overseas. The Newport Gwent Dragons used 62 in the Pro 14 and Champions Cup. So if that gives you an idea of, uh, you know, of what we got, uh, then we're going to see rosters of about 
depending on what the team and what's going on, um, you might have a lot of rosters because of injuries hit 50 this year. And, you know, as the, as the salary cap rises, you'll have more full-time players, blah, blah, but rosters are probably going to have to be 45 to 50, you know, every year because guys just go down. That's just the way it is. That's why, you know, these squads are so big uh, with the the Irish provinces and the Welsh regions because it's sort of like centralized control from the top. But even looking at the premiership, you still have 45 band squads. You know, it's not – it's just going to be the way it is. Uh, Right now, Glendale is rounding out their their, uh, main senior squad with their academy, so they're pushing all their academy guys through the D1 competition. So Glendale is playing in the Pacific Rugby Premiership this season rather than in the Red River. So basically they're they're still playing for the same spot that they were playing for last year uh, when it comes to going to the, the amateur national club national championship, except they're they're playing from I guess the the California side instead of the Texas side, which is kind of funny. Um but uh so that so that's cool i guess although but, that's gonna make the prp a lot more interesting you know i like, like don't like i mean as a santa monica dolphins fan uh <laughs> you know, i i, I kind of have to just pretend it doesn't exist i used to live in santa monica so i just need to put that out well there. the the dolphins <laughs> head coach is is now the the forwards coach at uh at uh at san diego so that that's gonna be real interesting but the team that i understand that dropped from the prp was the olympic club so that's why they, they moved is there was an opening mm-hmm. so that they could get the competition going this year. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, you'll – what is it? Uh, one of our friends, Cardiff RCM, is it RCM, RCN on, uh, on, on Reddit and on Twitter says, you know, these, these certain players need to be playing at a higher level. They don't need to be playing in college. And I was like, well, it depends on the college. If they're playing at Cal, that's like a push. Um, you know, but if they're playing at, you know, uh, NVU Linden, yeah, NVU Linden, yeah, they, 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 they don't need to be an NVU Linden. They need to be, you know, on the, t- like, so Mika Cruz, so the special guys that get identified, if they're that special where they're just going to, they come through the Academy, they're there six months and you're like, you got a center wing. That's just going to tear it up. He's going to play in all eight games for us. We need to sign him like now to, like the senior squad, you know, they need to get game time. I've, you know, get, get them up, get them playing at the higher level. It, it helps them. And it also helps you because it, it will raise the, the level of your squad with younger, better players all the time. Um, but yeah, depth, uh, especially during the ARC, it is a six week window. So since the squad will be mostly domestic, I understand we're only last year, we only formed for a week, probably only formed for a week again. Um, and then we're, you know what? All, all three of our home games are on the back end. So we might form for a week. Where are we playing away? Uh, Chile and Chi. Oh, yeah. So Chile and Brazil. Uh, no, 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 not Brazil. Chile and Argentina. So, yeah. yeah, Chile and Argentina. So we're probably going to fly everyone down to Chile first. And uh, just that's where our camp is going to be rather than, you know, have a camp at home and fly down because uh, usually you want to be there a week. And Chile also is at altitude. So there's that. Um, if you go to NVU Linden, you can train at altitude. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so it's a it's basically, you know, a seven to eight week window for domestic players. And that affects a lot of teams in the league. And this is where we get into depth being tested. You have NOLA with Chilean, a Chilean player. You have uh, Uruguayans. You've got Brazilians. You've got Canadians all over the league. Like this, this window is going to be huge. Supposedly, I think they've gone into negotiations to get players released for the bye week. But do you really want to use your test level, your test test match players during that bye week? Uh, probably, probably not. So yeah, they may get released to clubs, but I don't, I don't see most of them playing during that bye week. And then you've got three weeks on the back end of the squad. So 
really you're without players for for seven to eight weeks. So about half the schedule. Something to think about. But some teams got two buys during that period of time, so they only have to play six matches. We'll uh, we will see how depth works and how those teams that are heavily taxed work with uh, their national team players like the Arrows, like the Seawolves, like Glendale, like New Orleans now. It's very interesting stuff, though. Yeah, there's a lot to think about going into the season. Uh, Along with the schedule, we also uh, got our first glimpse of some new stadiums. Well, not the actual stadiums, but we got the names anyway. Um, So going into season two, we've got some teams uh, shifting locations. Uh, What are you hearing, Aaron? So at some point point during the season, Aviva Stadium is going to come come online, whether that's uh, you know, projected uh, should be, I think, the second week of MLR season. I mean, rain, if rain continues, I think they're doing work on it right now. So if it stays dry, that thing will be ready to go um, before before the season even begins. And we're not even talking about this, uh, you know. Um, but New York is playing at MCU Park on Coney Island. So down in Brooklyn, and it is accessible by subway. So, uh, you know, just uh, drive down, hop on the train, have a good time, and go get a Nathan's uh, Originals famous hot dog on at Coney Island Park before the game. From Austin, this is weird um, for me. I, I did not know this until I saw the schedule. Um, they're moving to Dell Diamond. Um you know, for, for the Sabercats, owning your own stuff is nice. Being able to sell your own uh, hospitality is really nice. Um, both New York and Austin, guess what they get with where they're going? Corporate suites and being able to sell those. Because you know what really funds, funds professional sports? When you've got like three levels of corporate suites sold out, like you, you don't need... You don't even need the rest of the tickets sold because you're you're good to go. I think you need to sell a few more tickets, but <laughs> continuing but continuing on on territory up in the great state of Massachusetts, uh, the Free Jacks are hard at work in terms of uh, trying to find a permanent uh, home field. Now, in terms of the exhibition season, um, or in terms of the uh, just the 2020 season itself, uh, there's been talk that Pine Banks Park in Malden, Massachusetts, were Mystic would be converted much in this in the in the way that Shaw Field in New Orleans was, uh, with bleachers put up along with these and uh, more uh, and more space for parking. Currently, there's a dog park and there's a baseball field. However, I think they're going to be clearing more space uh, in the future for some more development. However, the more exciting news is that there's also been talk about uh, which. And for people that know the area, is a pretty up-and-coming um, suburb just outside of Boston. It's got restaurants. It's got bars. It's also got a, some pretty easy access to the subway and to the bus lines. So it would make a lot of sense uh, for what the Free Jacks to potentially look at that location. Um, also, uh, going back to Houston, has not impacted the construction as much um, as it's been reported in that they're looking at a potential early, uh, early online date but they're not, uh, they're not going to be jinxing it by making any uh, assumptions out there to the public just yet. I guess I should turn my mic back on. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, so um, kind of going off of that with Free Jacks, you know, I, um, I'm going to talk next about a tournament that they're hosting this spring, but um, I reached out to the team to kind of ask them about uh, the stadium stuff, and they, they did get back to me, but they said that at this point they just don't have answers. Um, Nothing they're willing to release anyway. So I guess uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. And uh, I was sh- assured that they will have answers ahead of um, a tournament or I guess a series of matches that uh, Free Jacks are going to be hosting coming up here uh, starting uh, St. Patrick's Day weekend and going into April 2019. And they're going to be host- hosting uh, four different A-sides from um, – professional Irish rugby uh, from the Pro 14. So uh, Connacht, Leicester, Munster, and Ulster are all going to be 
uh, that's the A teams for each of those uh, outfits are going to be coming over to Boston and the free Jacks are going to play each of the teams once. And then uh, a couple of the teams, uh, let's see, it looks like uh, Connick plays Ulster and Munster will play Leicester, Linster, and uh, throughout the course of the six week period. So uh, this seems like a pretty fun uh, way to first build that relationship with European teams and just get, uh, you know, an exhibition season set up for, for your side. I mean, playing really high level, high level rugby here. I don't know. What do you guys think about this one? Uh, well, what do you think Liam? Well, first of all, I'm mad bummed that I'm moving to Houston. I'm probably going to be missing this whole uh, cavalcade of professional rugby, but that's all besides the point. Um, however, this is awesome for Boston rugby, and I'm really, really excited. Uh, however, one of the things that you got to think about is where are all these matches going to be played? So first thing that comes to mind is probably Veterans Stadium um, and Magoni Field, both of uh, both of which are owned by Harvard. Veterans Stadium is where their football uh, team plays, whereas Magoni Field is where their rugby team plays. Both of those stadiums, they're both accessible by subway. However, Magoni Field, where the rugby team plays, definitely a little bit smaller. I'm not. They pro, they would probably want to go with something like Veterans just to accommodate for uh, the the you know potential amount of fans that could show up. Another really good location could be Nickerson at BU or even Chestnut Hill at BC, as well as there's tons and tons of suburbs such as Malden, Chelsea. Hey, even Swampscott, they all have turf fields that could accommodate a decent amount of people with plenty of parking and accessible by uh, public transportation, uh, which honestly everywhere in Boston is accessible by public transportation. That's why we're better. So was it, I, I guess this was supposed to be an original tour, originally a tour of Ireland. I, I don't know. That was just a conversation I had with, uh, you know, Boston, a free Jacks player. Uh, but hosting this is pretty cool. Uh, you know, we, I'm not a proponent at all of exhibition seasons at, at this point. I think, especially in year three and year four, the for whoever those expansion teams are, the, the leap you're going to have to take, uh, if there are expansion teams in year four, actually. I wonder. Uh, but, uh, you know, especially like year five or six, you're not going to be able to execute an exhibition season against domestic competition. And it seems, you know, uh, Alex Magleby and Eric Anderson uh, at the Free Jacks uh, are thinking the exact same on the exact same wavelength as me. Uh, you know, great minds think alike. You're fucking genius, Aaron. I but, swear uh, I go fucking genius. So, uh, you know, the core of their team, if they're able to keep it together, is going to get some great experience. Uh, they This will prepare them for the 2020 MLR season with those four games. So you're, they're going to learn a lot. They're going to get beat up. But it's high-level competition, whereas if they were going to play a bunch of D1 teams, uh, you know, it's it's not the same as what MLR season three is going to be. It for. would just be another ARP season if they did. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. There, there's no, there's no. Except, real... we, except Boston would win this, you know, most of the. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to bring in some ringers, so uh, yeah. you know, try to build out that core for next season. So yeah, I also think um, well, what can't be downplayed though is the massive Irish population in Boston, and the and even if people don't watch rugby, they, they uh, there's going to be incentive to go to these games just because of the fact that their teams coming over from Ireland. You know, um, I'm. You know, like uh, uh, I was actually even talking to my mother, who has interest in going to one of these we're games. Gonna, we're gonna max yeah. out the uh, the, I, the Irishman credit card in, in America <laughs> with uh, with six matches. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, this if this if that's the kind of exhibition season you're gonna have, I'm all about. Um, mm-hmm. If you're not gonna have this quality, this level. I don't want it to be done. Just just focus on building out commercial stuff for the next season. So, uh, uh, you know, it, it's going to be nice. What I do want, what what American rugby fans want, is these games need to be streamed somehow so that we can watch them. Because that's going to be some – you're going to see some good good rugby players coming over from Ireland, and it, it, you want to see how we compare. 
So. If if only we had some, you know, site or channel or something like that that was meant only for rugby, a channel of rugby, a rugby channel, if you will. <laughs> if only one of those things existed in a feasible and usable manner, that would be fucking great. It's a dream, but it's only a dream. I, I dreamed a dream. <laughs> so that means it's just going to be on their Facebook page, right? I, I hope. how it ends up. Hey, that's, you know, but that is accessible to billions of people right now, you know? It's true. Mm-hmm. More yeah. than, um, more than, well, rugby. Hmm. Wish I didn't have to pay for a flow of rugby all the time, you know? It just sucks having to pay to get that flow. Flow. Stop charging money. Flow. Flow. Your quality's not that good to charge money. Flow. Flow. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, it was it was a pretty rough broadcast this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of things broadcast on Flow Rugby... <laughs> that's called transition boom uh usa was in the off. rundown usa faces off against romania on november 17th uh in bucharest uh so we've done pretty well against romania uh at least in the last few years up until 2016 and we kind of won't talk about that one but uh prior to that in 2012 and 2014 we beat them uh 34 to 3 and 27 to 17 respectively so i'm kind of hoping that uh this year's eagles will be more like those eagles and less like the 23 to 10 loss in 2016 so i don't know aaron uh what are you predicting about this match so i got some breaking news um, and maybe maybe it's not so breaking. Maybe we're not the first source, but I did confirm that Samu Manoa will be in camp and is available for selection for this match, whereas he was not available for selection last week because he was not selected. Um, and so that will give you a hard charging uh, number four lock, uh, he, you know, who also gets after it. Uh, in the breakdown and will drive up some tackle rates. So that is going to be very important. Um, you know, this is another step for the Eagles. Winning here is extremely important. Uh, the, the Romanian pack is gigantic. Their back line is also pretty big. They're very experienced. Everyone's a professional. They play, you know, all, almost all of their players play in the Superliga uh, in Romania. So they have a domestic professional competition that's been around for, for a very long time. Uh, it was it was built off of the original domestic uh, amateur Superliga, and when uh, you know people invested some money, and then you've got the scattering uh, Romanian players throughout uh, Pro D two and Top fourteen that Tomas Lievumont has been able to get released for this uh, for this tour. Sadly, Romania is not going to the World Cup because you know they feel an ineligible player for like two years. Uh, but uh, when it comes to what Thomas Lievermont and also Danny DeVillier, uh, formerly of the Austin Huns, who now coaches uh, Romania sevens and the backs for uh, Romania, uh, they're, they're playing some good rugby right now. They play a physical game. Uh, they have a willingness to take hits. So what we have to do, we have to be very physical. We have to have a willingness to take and deliver hits, uh, because they're gonna they're gonna play a a bare knuckle brawling style that also can push the ball wide. There you well, go. Well, yeah. awesome analysis. Uh, but I mean, all, pretty much all I, I really need to say about it is that it's kind of like what you said. We need to, we need to play fast. Obviously, one of our big problems is falling behind in games, and when we fall behind, we have a tendency to not be able to sort of pick ourselves up out of that hole, and that can really be our downfall. Um, and kind of like I said about the Samoa match, this needs to be one of those games that the USA needs to win with authority if we actually want to start making some moves and gaining more respect on the national stage. This can't be just a... A, a, a 20 to 16 victory or a 30 to 29 victory. I I would very much like to see a win by at least two tries or a try and a penalty. Some, so, something along those lines, something that says the USA controlled this match, you know, especially towards the end. So 
hopefully that's something that I mean we'll... I, I'm back in the boys uh back really, the boys really not Usa. sure Usa. what what this was going to look like but I'll say converted try uh for the Eagles and uh they will be in control 70% of the match <laughs> hey that would be just fine no trap game no trap game no trap game yeah what Liam said <laughs> Atlanta Falcons. All right, guys. Well, we are uh, getting close here, so let's just buzz through a couple questions from Bob. This is our regular segment where we uh, take questions from not only the comment section here on YouTube, but also our subreddit over on reddit.com slash r slash mlrugby. So be sure to hit us up there, and we'll address those questions as we can. But first off, uh, Demetrius hit us up over in the YouTube comments. He wants to know what the hell ever happened to the uh, Dallas team. Um, they're sort of still there, but really, really nothing. Um, I, I mean, it still exists as an entity, but will they be moving forward to try and, you know, be in the league for twenty twenty? I have no clue. Um, I think there's still an intent to enter the league, but. Um, nothing. You know, Dallas is one of those markets that the league would obviously like to enter and take advantage of. However, like Aaron said, it's just we haven't really heard anything. While they are still technically an entity that exists, MLRs is going to move forward with the teams that are putting up the cash and have the you know, no, the the Dallas market doesn't have the players to put on a roster. But we're just gonna we're, we're just gonna keep on moving forward with who we have. Whether Dallas can get their shit together is that's anybody's guess. Okay. Uh, greetings, ADM wants to know any rumors on Honko's overseas pro- overseas prospects? Chances that he's returning back to MLR this year? Um, I mean, if he wants to return back to MLR, he's a marquee player. So I'm sure someone will will will, will sign him if he decides to. I, he's ready to go overseas. My opinion. Um, he's ready to go play overseas for three or four years and then come back. Because I think in three or four years, uh, MLR will be able to pay the kind of wages that he can command domestically here, not necessarily uh, in Europe because he, but for him to grow as a player, he needs to play, you know, top level competition where he's fighting for that starting spot because I, I think he's that level of player and we're seeing he's that level of player at test level because as Liam said in the breakdown of the Samoa match he's always involved uh, you you see him poaching out on the wing getting ready to just take something you know he, he was able to uh, take the offload from AJ McGinty uh, and score a try he scored a 70 meter try against Samoa this, this is a guy who's athletic he goes to work at the breakdown He's he just uh, he's ready to continue playing high level rugby. So I got I got, but I will ask him as soon as this tour is over because I asked him about the Austin thing and he confirmed. So and then he, you know, went back to playing rugby. So Andy Rob Nev asks, "What are the positives and negatives of one entity having ownership over multiple franchises?" <laughs> so. It allowed MLS to be stable when AEG owned six when because they originally didn't own all those franchises. They had to take control over them, and Hunt Sports had to take control over three. Uh, it, it gave the league stability for a period of time. So if you have the money that you can help provide that stability, but really right now if there's 11 different ownership groups or 12 different ownership groups in the league so there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen yeah so you you have a lot of people you would have to convince with your business plan that you also have the cash to back up two teams to make it uh so i i don't really think unless it's you know i don't really think we're ever gonna see a a double ownership group uh, in this league and if you know, eventually they would be forced to sell those rights off, as you've seen in the MLS. I'm sorry, does, does, doesn't does the Seattle ownership have stake in another team? 
or am I, or am I just thinking about their partnership with Canterbury? Um, so originally, they they were going to have stake in the Vancouver franchise, but the bid hasn't really gone anywhere for like ten months. So, mm. yeah. Well, I mean, I can think of the kind of like there's obviously the problem with too many cooks in the kitchen in terms of having uh you know m- multiple entities owning a single team uh um, when when, th- when when things get complicated and when more people get involved that's when things start to get messy so i i kind of like to have one group per team uh however you know in, in terms of providing league stability i'm willing to kind of try anything that you know might work in these early days next question all right. Well, I think actually the next question is going to be, we'll go ahead and uh, get wrapped up here. We're just about out of time. Oh, fuck so, yeah. We've got, uh, we've got some, so you guys know, we do have some questions we'll be holding uh, for next week. We got a lot this week. So uh, if we didn't Thank address Thank you them, guys, by the way. Keep it up, yes. seriously. If we didn't um, address your question this week, we'll either answer it next week or hit well, back. I'm, I'm going to take, take one that okay. we have left. Go for it, Aaron. So Adam Downey Keene says, with Boston announcing the Irish connection, do you think they missed a trick uh, not using the Boston Boston Irish or with the nickname Exiles? Well, no, because there is a club team called the Boston Irish Wolfhounds. So mm-hmm. they probably like their their club name and wouldn't take too kindly to a professional team trying to appropriate their trademark. Boston clubs are also very proud people with very territorial, uh, you know, brass. So I, w- I was just going to say that wouldn't go over well with the Wolfhounds <laughs> whatsoever. I wanted the Minutemen or the Rebellion. I would have liked those. But as to the Boston Minutemen. So on our way out, you guys have any final thoughts uh, before I close this thing down? So if you go look at the cake that's on my Instagram, I'm going to go have a slice of that right if if you Google Broadway Street, I'm going to be stumbling drunk down it in about 15 minutes. Well, my hotel's like right there. In, in, inebriated, not drunk. Yes, uh, inebriated, <laughs> intoxicated. Liam, hey Liam, do we need yeah. to uh, sing Happy Birthday to Aaron? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll save that one for off the air. Yeah, we'll, we'll save that. Well, uh, Aaron, have fun eating cake. Liam, have fun with uh, your evening out. Um, about the only thing I got to say on our way out is I'm going to go ahead and uh, do a little complaining real quick. And uh, this is just on the heels of uh, the oh, weekend baby. and uh, not getting to watch the USA uh, the USA match this time around, USA Samoa match. Um I think it is freaking stupid to have our national team, what's supposed to be the hallmark, the, the epitome of rugby in this country, being stuck behind a paywall from a group that nobody knows that charges a lot of freaking money to get access to their, to their content. And I don't know. I, I understand the history. I understand the destruction that the collapse of RIM and what went into this decision. I get it. But just as a fan, for me, this this November test series has just been a reminder of how bad of a choice this was for the union. So that's about all I got to say. It's not specifically at Flow Rugby. They just happen to be the entity that stepped up. It could have been Joe's TV shack. I, you know, it doesn't matter. But anybody who sets up a system that is this expensive and this exclusive uh, for the national team, it, it's ridiculous to me. So, um, All I have to say is I was able to watch uh, France Feminine 15, um, France Feminine 15 versus the Black Ferns, uh, free to air um, last last week on Friday because they, they broadcasted it on free air and on France public television website. So, um, yeah. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and put my angry Corey back in, uh, back in the sack and uh, get on with it. 
So um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We love the support. Thanks for uh, hitting us up on the comments, Sebastian or whoever it was. Demetrius. 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 Demetrius, thank you for saying hey tonight. Uh, we are here every Monday night live on YouTube and available for download on podcast form every Wednesday morning. If you like what we do, please hit us up and subscribe to our YouTube channel and our iTunes feed. It helps folks find us. Be sure to uh, share your own news, views, and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And as always, thank you so much for listening and watching. We will be back here next week on Monday night. Until then, go out and watch some rugby. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.